Hello! Welcome to Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. Off-season episode 20. Follow me on Instagram at UnreasonableDoubtWV. Twitter. I'm tweeting things now, and you can find those tweets on Twitter at I'm Josh Witt. Facebook. You know? You still on the Facebook? There's a podcast page on Facebook. Look for Unreasonable Doubt. Hit the blue thumb. Follow the podcast there. I'm very excited. I did an interview with somebody I don't know. But I'm familiar with his work. Mike Kazaza is joining the show. Mike knows a thing or two about WVU sports. I am coming from a fan perspective with limited knowledge. Mike is... This is what he does for a living. He writes about WVU sports. He wrote for the Charleston Daily Mail. He uh, did a West Virginia University sports blog for the Daily Mail that I followed very consistently, was a big fan. He now works for CBS Sports, 247sports.com is where you can find him. He's on Twitter at Mike Kazaza. He's an author. He wrote a book called Waiting for the Fall a few years back, which talks about really the history of WVU football, but specifically focuses on the transition from Don Nealon to Rich Rodriguez to Dana Holgerson. Waiting for the Fall. You get an idea as a WVU fan. What, like, hey, why is it called Unreasonable Doubt? Here's why it's called Unreasonable Doubt. Let me read a passage from Mike's introduction in his book. Quote, The ups are always followed by downs. With every success, there is a spooky feeling failure isn't far away. (laughs) West Virginia's inability to enjoy the things they love is an unspeakable burden in this state, where the people love their WVU football, but where the Mountaineers have so often provided a pipeline for pessimism. Unquote. I could have called this podcast a pipeline for pessimism. That's a, I'll have to think about that. Mike was very gracious uh, with his time to jump on the podcast with me. Lots of great insights. Here's my interview with 247sports.com's Mike Kazaza. Hello. Hey, Mike. Welcome to Unreasonable Doubt. <laughs> it's going well, man. Thank you so much for your time this evening. No, not a problem. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll get right into the questions. Uh, you are you are with 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports Network. Um, people have read you in Charleston Daily Mail. What's the transition been like moving from the newspaper and the blog over to to CBS Sports. It's been um, it's been different for me for sure. I was used to you know writing on deadlines and trying to you know cram words into time constraints sometimes, or even on days where I didn't have deadlines, there was only so much space. Um, and you know you have maybe traditional or maybe more acceptable ideas and stories that you could run in the paper you have a little bit more freedom and a lot more luxuries um, with accessories and things you can do online. So that's been fun. Um, right. 
there is no deadline. They don't print the internet. So that's pretty <laughs> fun. Uh, they don't have to have it, you know, on a truck to deliver to anybody in the morning. So that's been fun. Um, you know, I'm not frankly wasting hundreds and hundreds of dollars for the company and, um, you know, hours of my time and days of my life. And when you add it up, you're talking, and I've done this in my head years um, away <laughs> on the road. It's uh, right. you know, an airport. Hotel, so it's kind of refreshing there because you, you do that stuff and there's my dog too. Uh, you do that stuff and, you know, it's kind of funny, but you're at a game and it's nine o'clock at Kansas and you think that's fun. Um, but you have five minutes to write a story and you need 30 to listen to the coach speak after the game and listen to players speak after the game. Then you need 30 to write. Um, you're 55 minutes past deadline there. And I don't know what you're doing at that point. And that became frustrating. <laughs> it became frustrating for me after a while. I didn't think it was the best thing to be doing. And I'm pretty passionate, as you can tell, pretty um, opinionated about how businesses manage themselves in the media these days. And, um, I don't think I have to tell anybody listening that, you know, it's, it's hard for newspapers. It's really unfortunate where I stand to see what's happening in the newspaper and the people uh, that I really liked and worked with at Charleston. Um, and some that the opposite is true as well. Right. <laughs> um, sure. And, and I feel for that, but I kind of hope they get things right. But for the time being, I'm, I'm, I'm in a pretty cool place that I've, I've transitioned to nicely. Um, it's it's kind of weird to be honest. They just stare at a blank screen and know I can write as much as I want. They kind of have really good leadership and management here, which is for somebody who worked 10 years away from a newspaper and didn't have that. That's a little bit different for me. Um, so it's, it's been an adjustment. I'm, I'm autonomous still. Um, I still work from home. You just heard my dog. Right. Um, but, but these people still kind of leave me a little bit and stuff like that. Um, it, it's just a different thing for me, but you know, I'm a, I'm a spoke in a wheel, which is, which is kind of fun to be honest with you. Nice. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a recent new subscriber to 24 seven and I'm seeing some of the same stuff that you did uh, on the blog and at the newspaper. But like you said, it, it, it's, it's great that you have a little more flexibility uh, with the new gig. So it's great to see. I'm glad you said that the blog was something I was really interested in. And way back, this is like 2008, Jack Bogotchik and I kind of you know knocked heads on this a little bit. We didn't know what we had or how to do it and what it take away from newspaper time. And uh, we, we messed pretty quickly on stuff and we kind of realized that, you know, it was, it was a thing and people were reading it, um, you know, and, and like it became, you know, not what did you do for the paper today? Did you write a story? Did you write so many words? It was, well, what'd you do on the blog? Because people would click on it and share it and they get people talking, which should be the goal uh, for any media organization. So, you know, that, that got going pretty quickly. I was always supported there. They were really invested in that. I wish they had sold ads on it at any time that I was there because that would have solved some problems, I think, for different departments or different people but um maybe one day that gets back up there i'm kind of happy that people miss it which is a terrible thing to say but that makes me feel like that you know and i get this a lot um it makes me feel like the people read it and they were involved uh, that was that was honestly josh the hardest thing for me to do was that i mean hundreds of people were reading that hourly and like a core of people that didn't sound like a big number but like from the very beginning to the very end there were there were hundreds of people that stuck with that and with it, and I, I hear from them still. Some of them followed me over, some didn't. There's no hard feelings there, but like one thing I get a lot is, man, I miss it. And the one thing I'm getting a little bit more is that and this kind of looks familiar, which is exactly what you just said. Um, it's not under the umbrella of one big blog. It's on a website, but I'm doing largely the same things. I don't swear or anything, um, but like right. everything else, it's pretty much the same. And then again, when you have some liberties, you have some luxuries you can use on the internet, and you can go digital and you can have some fun and, and show as opposed to tell. 
um, you know, that's different, but that, that is kind of what I was doing. So, uh, again, glad you said that because I'm starting to get that more and more now that I've been there for a little over a year. No, the, the highest praise is I miss you. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's proof that what you were doing is, is what, you, what you felt. So that's fantastic. Uh, Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, so uh, this is a basketball podcast. I know football season's uh, right around the corner, but okay. the focus here is basketball. So I've got some basketball questions for you. Uh, you've, you've covered Bob Huggins, of course, since he's, he's been at Morgantown. Uh, he's loved in the state, uh, has a, has an edge to him. What's it like covering Bob Huggins? It's not like it was. Um, and what I mean by that is this is his, oh man, 12th year coming up. Is that right? 2008 was his first year or is it or 07? Yeah, this will be his 12th year coming up. So I've been here for all 12. So I've known him for 12 years. Um, you get to know anybody for 12 years. And, you know, when I was traveling a lot, I was I was spending a lot of time with him and his players and things like that. Um, so, you know, I'd be sometimes the only person after a game in a hallway, win or lose. And, you know, some of those are, are heated or awkward conversations, not because of me, but because of what happened in a game. But you get to know people sure. and you figure out how to ask questions and, and, and things like that. Um you know, when, when he first got here, I was used to John Beeline. And John Beeline had a cozy program that was on the way up, but it was very open and accessible. Um, you know, you could watch practices and you could call him on the phone and, and things like that. Uh, I was very comfortable with him. Again, my first day as a full-time newspaper writer was Beeline's first day of practice. Um, wow. So that was a heck of a beginning. And again, I was really the only person who was every day covering that team. And I got to know them. And um, you know, those those five seniors in 2006 and Beeline are some of the biggest influences on my my life, never mind my career. People I still keep in touch with, they're great. Um, and then it switches. And you know, I was still young. And seeing that a coach can leave was odd to me. Uh, also learned that coaching searches suck, even though that was fast. But, right. you know, then you get to meet Huggins, who is very much his own way. And not that he does not care about precedent or the past, but he is his own guy. He was not going to fit into the way things were done before. He was going to do what he'd always done before. And that was different. You know, things were more private. You couldn't call him on the phone as often. He was very busy. He was recruiting. Practices weren't open. So that took some adjusting. Um, and then, you know, we, we got to know each other in unusual terms, some, some disagreements on things about, you know, there were some NCAA things that happened that were minor, like secondary stuff, but still had to be reported. And, you know, maybe he didn't agree with it, but um, I don't think he ever bit my head off and I was never out to get him. And, you know, you get, you're get you around him a lot and you get to know each other and you feel you have to ask questions, but you understand the right and wrong ways to ask him. Um, and then the more you know him, it becomes easier. And then you, know, you can get a cell phone number and you can call somebody and you can get answers from them for questions that are important. So, you know, that's that's natural stuff. Um, but it's easier now than, than it was 12 years ago, for sure. But I think we've got a pretty a good working relationship. I've never been at his house. OK, so he's never been. My, he's never been in my house either. I don't think that'll ever change. But like if I see him somewhere, he says hello. If he sees me somewhere, I'll say hello. Just it's it's normal stuff. It's not adversarial, which I think maybe surprises a lot of people. I know I, I bump into people on the beat and they're like, "Boy, what's it like working with him?" I'm like, "What do you think?" And my answer is generally like, "Well, that's interesting, but that's the complete opposite because you see Huggins on the sideline and you see him at press conferences and you get an idea in your head." And it's not like that. He's um 
he's he's got a really low spoken voice. He whispers a lot. He's hard to understand, so you kind of got to lean in. But he's very smart. He loves to tell stories. He loves the whole court. Um, he fills your notebook, or your tape recorder. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty redeeming, actually. It's not like he's a bully in the room and he hates the media. Uh, but he's got a job to do, and he's going to protect his players and stand up for his program. That's going to mean sometimes that you know you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna hear from him a little bit. But you know, if, if you can criticize him or his players, which is fair, um, you know, sir. Sure. Fair that probably fair that he can criticize you and the way you do your job. And I think he and I have had an understanding about that for a while. Awesome. Uh, yeah. With Huggins, you always get like the two second pause of him thinking and gathering before he uh, gives an answer. And I appreciate that. Like, I, I don't, I, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's gruff and, and seems short, but I think he, he puts thought in all the questions he gets. Uh, yeah. Very thoughtful. That's a good way to put it. It's funny when you watch those recordings, um, of his press conferences, and he thinks you can tell who the rookies are, the people who don't know him, because they fill that pause. Did they mess up? Oh, no. What am I no, doing? Did I ask the right question? Yeah, what I say? Move, and, right. and you can tell that they're not familiar with him, what he is, but he's trying to say the right thing. I think more than not trying to say the wrong thing, what I mean by that is I think he knows what you want sometimes, and uh, he's he's going to answer the way that he wants to, not necessarily the way that your question is aimed, which is a really good coach's prerogative, I would think. Sure. Yeah. And we know he's a smart guy, graduated with uh, very high WVU. So uh, there's no doubts on his uh, intelligence. Um, so 2018-19 season coming, a uh, lot of new faces in the program. Uh, what, and this is only an educated guess, but what would be your guess on who the starting five is going to be when they play Buffalo or shoot, not Buffalo? Yeah, Buffalo uh, in the Buffalo. first game in Morgantown in November. I, I've thought about this. Um, you and I traded questions before this, and it was refreshing because I've been football, football, football for so long. Um, sure. So I looked at it, and I sat down, and I tried to figure out an answer to this question, and I really don't have one. Um, because, <laughs> I don't either, because I don't, Mike. Well, because I don't know, and that's a good thing. Um, I, don't, I don't think they have eight or nine all-conference players, or maybe even eight or, eight or nine starters. Um, you know, they may not even have three or four starters for all we know. What I mean by that is like obvious picks, but I also don't know what their best five is. Is it two guards and three forwards? If it's three forwards, I know, are they, are they threes and fours? Like two threes and a four? Is it a three and two fours? Um, are they a three guard? Is it two point guards and a guard and a shooting guard? Or is it a point guard and two shooting guards? I don't know that yet. I think the preseason is going to be really interesting and really illuminating, uh, I, I think that with so many new people on the team, I mean, all the stuff about being able to enroll early and have these off-season workouts and things like that for development, that's great. And you see them playing pickup games together all the time in the practice facility. That's great. Totally different when you start practicing and playing games. Um, sure. So because of that, I think what he'll try to do is have veterans, if not in the starting lineup and on the floor as much as they want. I would think that, there probably aren't too many locks for starting jobs, but I would think Beetle Bolden is probably one. Um, I would think just because he knows so much and he can run the offense and he's been a point guard, and he's seen a lot of things. And, and I would think that, you know, a really tough guy um, in Wes Harris, recent news notwithstanding, um, who, who's not going to get pushed around, obviously, and right. who is going, who's going to give you an edge and play some defense that he's going to be valuable too, because you guys, they may not buy into the things that Wes bought into and excelled at right away last season. So, you know, beyond that, you can make arguments about anybody. Um, 
And Kanate. Kanate is probably the third, right? If you I'm, had... I'm, well, I was getting to that. Yeah, that's and then oh, you, you stole my thunder here. Um, oh, but sorry. like we've had this com- we've had this conversation about everything and about oh man, what's new? Who's starting or whatever? And they maybe have an All American in uh, you know a lottery pick in a year that I know you get excited about when you think about them, but like I'm not sure that everybody thinks about them right away when you think about Press Virginia and you know, the recent lineage of players who've been there who have been kind of guards and scorers and, and outside in players. Um, and I think that's what's, flip, what's flipping things around right now is this might be a really good defensive team still, um, but it might score a little bit differently. It might score inside out a little bit. Um, there are some shooters that you can surround some of these forwards with. So um, I think it's going to be a lot of four around one where Kanate gets to do a lot of stuff. I'm not sure they build around him, but um, you have all these conversations about the different directions they go. And I find myself sometimes going, oh, yeah, number 50 is probably going to be pretty good. You might want to pencil him in. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's my concern, Mike, for the upcoming season is wh- how West Virginia and, and Huggins is going to use Kanate offensively. Is it going to be a Kanate-driven offense? And that gives me concerns uh, as a fan because of the style and knowing – um, that we, we've been kind of outside in for a good while now. Uh, you got to go back to maybe Kalichla that we ran the offense yeah. from inside. So it's, maybe, that maybe wasn't our best time. So it, it'll be interesting to see how he does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we forget Devin was a pretty good inside player, but I think you're right too, that he didn't really catch entry patches and throw up hook shots or fadeaways either. That was kind of Dennis's thing, but not really Devin's thing. So, yeah, I mean, it might be that long since they had that traditional back-of-the-basket guy. Not sure how much I want to see Kanate, you know, triple-threading, but I think he's got – I do think he's got shooting range and, and can do that and really spread things out. And, like, this is what's kind of interesting to me about the yeah, idea of four around one, but you might also see kind of like five-out stuff because I do think they have players who are going to be able to move and cut and – if they're all similarly sized, you know, if it's if it's Matthews and, for example, and uh, Haley, for example, and you know, Lamont West, you have three guys who are in that 6'5 to 6'8 range. And if you put them around Kanate and, let's just say, a point guard of your choosing out on the, on the perimeter there, those three guys are cutting. They can switch and screen and do a whole bunch of stuff, and they're going to be good cutters. And they can get in there long – they're good targets for a point guard or a center. You know, you can get easy scores there. I think that'll be good. But another part is, too, that Kanate may get those inside touches because I think they're going to be a much better passing team because they have some dribblers and ball handlers and guys who can get inside. And it doesn't have to be a bounce pass on the block. It can be dribble drive, and then you just hand it off to the guy at the rim or you throw it up above the rim. And those are all things that Kanate has been able to finish before when he gets those passes, which I think he can get more often now. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for it. We're we're a little over 70 days out. I know football is the focus in our state, but I'm gearing towards November. Um, I'll, these are rapid fire now. Um, I'll call it. I don't know what to call it. People say rapid fire, but uh, you'll get the gist. So you told me you're a you're into cooking. Uh, guests are coming over for a meal. What is your go-to meal? What what's your go-to? Uh, this is what I'm doing to show off my skills. I bake pies, believe it or not. I'm really Ooh. good with pies. But uh, I'm a grill guy, uh, which is probably not surprising. But, like, I mean, a lot of guys are grill guys. But that's where I would go first. Uh, and I've always been 
uh, a connoisseur of ribs. But Ooh. the dessert thing is the dessert thing. Believe it or not, is probably where I would wow people. I think. Well, so uh, that that leads me to believe that you make your own crust. Yeah, uh, it depends. Key lime, sure, sure. Um, you're probably going to get like graham crackers and things like that mixed up, right. but like the flour and the kneading of the dough and everything, that's all me on like an apple pie or a cherry pie. But I don't know. I don't know how to make the graham cracker crust. Cause I don't know how to make graham crackers. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I can crumble them though. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You can figure it out. Um, you used to travel a lot. Do you have any travel hacks, anything of those years on the road that you picked up? Like this is a move that I use saves me time. Any travel hacks to share? Yeah, never check a bag, for suckers. <laughs> unless you're going, unless you're going like two weeks. I mean, I've been gone for like nine or ten days and been in a carry-on because you know what's smaller than a like a large suitcase and what's cheaper than the twenty-five dollar checking a bag is a small thing of Tide. Right. You can get that and you can do it. That's not a problem. You can wash your clothes somewhere. It's okay. Um, and if you've got a per diem. Let the, let the laundry people at the hotel do it. That's fine. Uh, get yourself in awards programs for rental cars and for um, hotels and for airlines. And then always try to juke the lines at the gate by, if you have like two flights in your boarding passes, always use the number that's lower for a boarding zone. So if you have two flights, right, Ooh. going, to, Pitt, going right. to Pittsburgh, to Charlotte, and Charlotte, to Dallas, if you're zone five, on Pittsburgh to Charlotte, but your zone three on Charlotte to Dallas. Use the zone three one on Pittsburgh to Charlotte. Ooh. And then they say, oh no, I gave you the wrong boarding pass. But you've and then they're gonna look at oh, wow. well not that, but they've already seen zone three. They've already seen zone three. So you're just gonna give them the new the right boarding pass, which is zone five. They're not gonna look at it because you're already zone three. They got that in their head and then you're on 10 minutes before you would be normally. I just got lightheaded. I'm glad I'm sitting down for this. That's an amazing hack. That's that is fantastic. That that You're is not yes, yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of shocked by that one. That's that's I'm floored. That's an amazing one. Um, you're a Liverpool fan. They made the Champions League final last season. Started off strong this year. Is this the most optimistic you've been as a Liverpool fan? Oh, I know better than that, but probably, <laughs> probably from, I mean, like I was, they won a champions league before. So, and they were really good that year and they had, they were loaded. Um, right, right, right. The most optimistic I probably was, um, they were number two in the league in 2014 and they were going to win the league. They were, they were the best team, but they were number two and they were going places. And then, Stevie got the ball picked in the middle of the field against Chelsea and they went down one, nothing. And then Torres, who I hated as a Liverpool player and I hated him as a Chelsea player, Oof. made a two, nothing at the end of the game. Um, and they, they kind of fell down to a little, a little further away in the second division or in the, in the league. And then when they really had a chance to get back up and I believe tie and make some noise on what was like a pretty narrow goal differential. I want to say it was like eight or nine. They were up. Four to nothing over Crystal Palace, who was garbage. And they lost five to four, I believe, or maybe it was four to three. But at halftime, I was like, the talk was Liverpool's going to go crazy and try to get an eight nothing win and make up the goal and make up the goal differential. And they ended up losing the match. 
And then, you know, I think Gerard retired the next year because he wasn't the same. Um, you know, they, they had awful ownership and management and things like that. Uh, it, I mean, it, so some bad management came through, but I kind of like who they have now. Klopp's a bit of a character, but I do like the way he plays football. Ownership does spend, um, and I've seen them play both their matches this year, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed by how skilled they are in offense, and I'm not as frightened by their back line, which is ordinarily how I feel when the ball's in that end. Yeah, no, it's they are. Uh, if you're going to get in the Premier League, uh, Liverpool is is a team to to follow because of their style of play. They're, they're the fun. Attack, it's fun to watch. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could watch. You could watch, for example, any Mourinho team, and you know they're going to back the bus up in front of their right. box, and they'll, they'll win one nothing if they want to, and they'll take draws. Um, and that's been everywhere he's been. It's where he's at now, and it's why he's souring his players and his fans. Um, Liverpool wants to, to boat race you, um, and it's kind of like fast break. Or, you know, think of it this way in football, like zero blitzing. Um, you might give up plays if they get over your head, um, and Liverpool scoots up and cheats up sometimes, and, and they'll give up goals because they let their back line get overwhelmed, but they're attacking and they're, they're, they're blitzing the other team's defense. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, the Mourinho for a beginner is not, is not where to go. Uh, uh, two more questions again. I appreciate your time, Mike. Uh, my favorite – uh, player for basketball WVU of all time is Cam Thurman. Do you have yeah. any Cam Thurman stories that you can share on this podcast? <laughs> I'm glad you qualified that. <laughs> uh, but yes, I do. His freshman year, they played. His freshman year, I mean, everybody, he was a redshirt freshman, I believe, because he missed the first year with a dislocated knee, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. I think that's um, right. But his redshirt freshman year was Huggins' first year, and and everybody was kind of on edge because they all – and, again, this goes with the, the misperceptions of Huggins that, you know, am I a Huggins guy? These players didn't know that. They weren't recruited for him by sure um, – by him for sure. And, and again, like, Beeline was a nice kind of like – I wouldn't say soft around the edges, but finessed edges, let's say. And, and Huggins right. is a little bit different. And, you know, it was weird. No one knew what their future was. And they all felt, you know, a little bit isolated, a little bit, I think, worried about their future and how long it would last. And, and they, they kind of struggled to get along between old and new. Um, and, and it was kind of funny to watch them come together. But I can remember they played a tournament in the preseason down in Orlando. And they had time away. And, you know, free time to go do what you want. Mm-hmm. Too, late to go, too late to go to an amusement park. And Orlando's kind of isolated in spots. You can't, you can't go to, like, a restaurant or an arcade or a mall or anything like that. So they're just hanging out outside. And they can't find Cam. Where's Cam? Where's Cam? And they, they find him. And he's in, like, these nice clothes. Um, which because they've been in the dinner, I think maybe at the resort they're staying at. These uh-huh. details aren't important. This detail is: he was catching little lizards, little salamanders in a shoebox, <laughs> and everybody thought, "Holy cow! You know this dude's weird. What's what's up with that?" But they saw how much fun he was having, and they all got in on it, oh, and they were all like running around and chasing lizards in a box, and they became like understanding of one another and, and all these people from different areas and different, you know, coaching staffs kind of got together and were like, Hey, and so bad after all, I like him. He's not weird. And, you know, and that was to everybody, not just cam. Um, and, and that was kind of how an outsider like cam was from a small town in Ohio. It's not like a guy who's from Newark or Southern Virginia um, or a guy who'd been on V lines teams. And it was a little bit different, um, but that's how he got in. Everybody liked him. And then, he also learned to open up and be himself and like everybody else. And, um, you know, the guy who would throw around Luke Herringody or Daryl Henderson or guys like that was, was 
kind of worn into the acceptance of his teammates in the program, chasing lizards around, uh, I guess, the backwaters of Orlando. It's amazing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just got every bit of talent out of Thurman Huggins did. It was, I mean, just amazing. He had his moments. It was, he, he was I, my favorite. Here's the truth. I saw him play in high school, and he was he was a guard. He was really good. Um, he was playing against, I mean, lesser competition for sure, but he was not a, a power forward. He was not a guy who was going to be, you know, I, I forget how much he weighed, but, I mean, a guy who was as big and as strong. He was right. as strong as him. Um, but he was he was limited after that because of his knee. And it was never, it was never like, probably perfect again after that. And, you know, he was not going to – he was going to be a cutting, moving – multi-position guy in a beeline offense they right. didn't really have that in a huggins offense you kind of had to be fleet if you're going to play in the backcourt um had to be able to switch and things like that but you know he his his games were different like he would he would save them every so often with some points or rebounds i remember one game at providence maybe huggins his first year he was terrific off the bench and, and bailed him out but i can also remember other games where like people congratulated him about executing a dribble handoff every time he touched the ball which sounds like a small thing, but he was not supposed to lose it. He was supposed to facilitate. And if a pass wasn't a good idea, he wasn't going to risk it. He was going to keep the ball on his end and he was going to hand it off and screen and move and just do what he had to do. And people thought he was great at that. It's a small thing, but it was his role, which he accepted and became, as you said, you know, a really popular and really valued part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Final question. Very important question. What is your etiquette in an elevator when you're with somebody else in the elevator? Do you are you a stare at the stare at the floors changing guy? Do you do you hold the door? Uh, do you make small talk? What do you do when you're in an elevator with another person? I'm pretty friendly, believe it or not. Like I'm polite and I'll try to talk to people because you only have a couple seconds, you think. Um, and then it's always weird because what if the elevator stops and you've already right. set the precedent in the first 15 seconds that you're a jerk and you're not going to talk to that person? What if you're on that elevator? For, what if you're on that elevator for 20 minutes? Like, do you have to be that guy? Or all of a sudden, do you be like the person who talks and then the other person's like, well, this clown, it, he's only talking because we're stuck in this elevator. It wouldn't happen normally. So I'm, I'm always going to be one who probably initiates and talks. Um, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to go too far. Like if you don't reciprocate, fine but understand if that elevator does break <laughs> i'm not talking to you anymore after that it's it's a it's a tightrope man it's really it's really difficult and i don't maneuver well in the in the elevator etiquette so um i like i like your stance of set it set the tone early and then um and and let the chips fall where they may so i mean i i just struggle with the small talk part it's it's a me problem uh all right mike that's it man I really appreciate your time. You're on my dream guest list because I, I consider you the authority on news regarding WVU athletics. Um, and it's really a pleasure for you to, uh, to join me and to take some time to, uh, to join this podcast. So thank you, Mike Kazaza, for joining Unreasonable Doubt this evening. Josh, those are great questions. And as long as you say nice things about me, I would be happy to come back and do this again. <laughs> I got him, man. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Big thanks again to Mike Kazaza for joining the show. Great insight on WVU basketball and other things. He had a Cam Thurman story that I loved. Follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Kazaza. Go to 247sports.com. 
and look for his work. He's doing great things. And I'm going to do more of these. Tell me what you thought of that interview on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Because I'm going to talk to more people I don't know that are more informed and better at this than I am. Maybe it'll rub off. We'll see what happens. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms. Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Shout out to the person listening to this on Pocket Casts. CastBox. And more. Listen, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Leave a review. Rate it five stars. Those are all nice things to do. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt and WVU's basketball team for the 2018-19 season is 0-0. Zero zero. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.